Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. Exercise in pregnancy may well be a powerful tool in supporting you to achieve a positive birth and a smoother recovery postpartum. But often the thing holding women back from truly embracing it is a lack of knowledge around the topic, fear of causing harm to their body or baby, and the sea of conflicting non-expert information that exists pretty much everywhere. This week's guest shares my passion for making sure that you are empowered to have a strong, healthy pregnancy where exercise can be enjoyed and celebrated. Kat Suchet is the founder of Hatch Athletic, a physiotherapist specializing in women's health, a CrossFit athlete and coach, and crucially, a mum to two little ones. Today, we get to talk about one of my favorite things, bust myths, and help empower you So let's jump straight in. Welcome, Kat, and thank you for letting me steal you away for the podcast, because I know you're a very busy lady. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Now, before we pick your brains too much, I want to pick your brains a little bit about where it all begun for you, because I think specialising in women's health is one of those things where women have often had really interesting backstories to bring them to where they are today. So I wonder if you can just take me back to where it all began and essentially why Hatch Athletic, which is what you do now, was born. Yeah, it's a really great question because often these things just happen organically because something happened to you, right? Mm. So for me, as a physiotherapist that had been working for probably about eight or nine years when this, when I became pregnant myself and as a CrossFit athlete, like you've already um, said that that was my background. I was training maybe six, seven times a week, trying to compete quite seriously. Some days were double days. I was really, really going hard in the gym whilst working as a physio and then found myself pregnant and hit a complete brick wall. I think what happened was I realized that there wasn't enough information out there for ladies like me that were training hard. There was stuff out there for gen pop. There was stuff out there for ladies 
that liked to perhaps go for a run every now and then or do a power walk or perhaps go to the gym once or twice. But as with a lot of women, it's happening now more and more. Ladies are getting fitter and I was getting fitter. I was holding down a normal job as well. Not a professional athlete by any means, but very, very into fitness. And this is happening more and more in terms of CrossFit, functional fitness, weightlifting. All of this is becoming way more accessible. So this is this is happening to a lot of women, but it specifically happened to me. And I tried as a physiotherapist and as a healthcare professional and a scientist, really, to find good information out there to support people like me, very type one, wanting to push, 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 lift heavy, go hard, smash this pregnancy (laughs) and really rock this thing and realized there was pretty much no information out there. Certainly no, not much evidence-based information out there. But the other thing was, is that I hit a brick wall psychologically. But the other thing was, is that I hit a brick wall psychologically in that I was this very alpha type, go, go, go getter, perfectionist, performance, motivated person Mm. (laughs) and then pregnancy came and it made me realize that I wasn't able to do all the things that I love to do (laughs) and that can be really hard can't it mentally really difficult so mentally difficult physically difficult obviously because when you become pregnant you're, you're facing all sorts of unknowns for the first time and changes to your body and changes to your physical abilities. But mentally, yeah, I struggled with the sense that I couldn't necessarily, A plus B didn't equal C. I couldn't put the work in anymore and see the results in a linear way like I was used to. So I guess all of this combined meant that I started doing a lot of digging uh, with women's health physios from around the world. I was living in Australia at the time, so I had exposure to the Australian women. So I had exposure to the women. <laughs> so I had exposure to the women's health Australian scene, but I was also from the UK, so I had all of those contacts as well. So I started doing a lot of digging in Australia and the UK with women's health physios, doctors, and specialists in the field to try and uncover what exactly we could piece together in terms of research, advice, training programs for women during pregnancy and postpartum. And I guess Hatch Athletics started to sort of develop as did my career in women's health physio all at the same time. Oh, it's it's so exciting because like you say, we are in this changing generation where actually women are pushing their bodies more and then thinking actually, how can I do this and do pregnancy simultaneously. So it's, I think it's such an exciting time in women's health. Um, and I, you know, talk really often on the podcast and the work I do about the power from a medical practitioner's perspective of women staying fit and strong in pregnancy. Um, and I know you work with women that are probably automatically on board with that because they have felt the benefits of that outside of pregnancy and it's their part of their identity so the idea of just parking that to to carry on with pregnancy feels completely alien and uncomfortable to them what's your view personally Kat on guiding women through keeping fit and strong in pregnancy and do you recommend changing things in different trimesters or having any particular do's and don'ts 
Yeah, I mean, it's a really great place to start because I think there is, generally speaking, there is an acceptance for exercise in pregnancy now, which there wasn't. And certainly my mum's generation, it was definitely the thing that you shouldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> but now I think, generally speaking, World Health Organization also recognised that we should be exercising during pregnancy. But it's not always that clear cut. I still get a lot of ladies coming through uh, social media channels, emails, coming to, into my clinic even saying, but can I really, <laughs> can I really exercise to a high intensity during pregnancy? People are still scared. There's still, it's still a very unknown field. And I think there's definitely a fear around exercise in pregnancy. Less so because we feel like it's completely dangerous, but more because we just don't have enough, we still don't have enough information to make us feel confident enough. So the first thing that I would highly recommend anyone to do in pregnancy is do exercise so if you're if you're wondering whether or not it's something that you can or can't can't do that you should or shouldn't do I'm trying to implore ladies to keep exercising and do exercise during pregnancy for many many reasons which potentially we might go into later but do lift do go to high intensity do carry on what you've been enjoying before it's incredibly good for you through your pregnancy to keep exercising. Other things that I recommend for ladies during pregnancy is make sure that you stay hydrated, take on plenty of fluids, but make sure that you're taking plenty of rest as well. If you are doing that exercise, make sure that you're taking really good rest breaks to just allow that heart rate to just settle. The reason for that is we have a little bit of fairly good research to suggest that we don't want to be spending a really long period of time over your 90% of your heart rate max. We have a tiny bit of research now to suggest that you can spend periods even higher than that, short periods even higher than that, without any concerns. So really, all the emerging research that we've got about exertion at the moment says it's all okay. Yeah. And I think what's nice is that in the recent years, albeit very small studies, and my goodness, we need to do way more, don't we? Like for sure. Um, yeah. And that's a barrier to everything I do as a midwife, to be honest, Kat, because it's so unethical to do research on pregnant women that actually <laughs> it's not uncommon for me as a, as a healthcare practitioner to be like, we think there's this, but it's a tiny bit of evidence. That's actually a theme throughout all of your maternity care. But in in exercise, we really package that way as a concerning thing that we've only got these small studies. Whereas actually in other aspects, we make massive guidance based on these small studies because yeah. we know it's probably as good as it's gonna get in the yeah. pregnant population. But the exciting thing about exercise is we now have some of those small studies and we've not always had those. So they definitely need celebrating, I think. Definitely, it is a small study, but it suggests that if you go over 90% of your heart rate max, there's absolutely no detrimental effects to bub or yourself. So I guess the main take home here is don't panic. <laughs> um, do go to the intensity that, that makes you feel good. At the same time, I do say, remember that we're not trying to smash ourselves here you have to get through every day of pregnancy with energy and you've got to probably hold down a job and maybe manage the household or other kids so do think about your why why would you be going to those high intensities for long periods of time when potentially you don't need to 
in pregnancy, I don't feel like you've got anything to prove. Make sure that you end up with enough energy at the end of your workout that you're not completely flawed and you don't need to take a three hour nap so that you can manage the rest of your day. Because training in pregnancy will wipe you out quicker than if you're not pregnant. Definitely. Although that three hour nap sounds fantastic. <laughs> need to figure out how to get that into the day. <laughs> I know. I'm not even pregnant and I want a three hour nap. <laughs> yeah. That's because you've got small children. <laughs> um other things other things what else what else do I recommend so do there's a lot of uh chat about listening to your body now I do love this advice and I also hate it all at the same time so of course of course we've got to listen to our bodies this is the most important thing you can't ignore warning signals from our bodies however at the same time if all we're doing is listening to our bodies the problem with this is the only time we'll ever respond is when there's pain or discomfort Mm. and some of the time we need to take actions like taking a, a bit of extra rest or taking on water or maybe adjusting some of your movements before you get those warning signals from your body so do listen to your body I do I do always recommend that you listen to your body but do your research too so make sure that you've done a little bit of learning to enhance your training, to make sure that you feel confident to make those decisions before you get those warning signs from your body. I love that you mentioned that listen to your body thing, because I <laughs> I remember in my first pregnancy cat, so I was peak marathon training. I had loads of marathon races lined up and then ta-da, we were pregnant. And I thought, I'll be fine. I'll be able to run them still, you know, like you do. And then realize, you know, high premise is hit and I was in hospital and I was oh not God. running any marathons. But, <laughs> But I remember at that point, the listen to your body thing felt completely alien to me because all my marathon training, if I listened to my body, I would have just stopped because of course it hurt when you were running like 26 miles. (laughs) So I felt like I had conditioned myself over years to ignore that pain. So actually listening to your body, I think when you're a higher performing person is what you've been trained to ignore. So telling you to do that is really, really hard. But I remember thinking I just need to become more intuitive and actually and actually just recognize my body and get to know my body more and kind of unlearn some of those habits and, and appreciate this different time in my life, which I kind of reframed as listen to your body. And I think yeah. for some people, listen to your body, you know, does resonate and works beautifully. But for others, you know, actually need yeah. to relearn your body because you've learned to suppress and ignore some of those signals that we now want to recognize and respond to. 100%. And Actually, it's very interesting that you mentioned that athletes are very, very bad at guessing their levels of pain and exertion. And we know that by research. Mm. <laughs> We're the worst. So the uh, I think it's rate of perceived exertion scale was tested with athlete, athletic people. And they were awful at it <laughs> because they just guessed that they weren't as exerted as they were. Mm. And that's so a mental it, strategy, isn't it? To keep you going. Like that's definitely exactly. a mental strategy. Exactly. We're used, we're used to pushing hard. We're used to hurting. So if you are, if you're that kind of person, we recommend at Hatch Athletic that you use digital tech to tell you. Mm. So if if you have an Apple Watch or a Garmin or a Polar or any kind of tech that you want or that you choose, that will tell you how hard you're pushing. So you don't have to guess. So yes, do listen to your body, but sometimes tech and sometimes a bit of a little bit of sort of precautions here and there can help sort of take the guesswork out of it, I think. 
Yeah, especially while you figure out that intuition, isn't it? I think can, exactly. can be exactly. quite nice. And and I guess it's just, it's so individual, isn't it, for, for different people. And I think with the unique thing about pregnancy, and for some women, they might be used to this because of the way their body responds to their menstrual cycle. But for others, pregnancy is a really new time in that literally every day feels different. One day right. you feel like you could take on the world and do everything. And the next day you're like, wow, I'm just going to go for a walk today. And so yeah. having that intuition, I think, is really powerful in pregnancy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Totally. It's, it's being able to modify every day because it's not linear. Pregnancy is going to throw some curveballs at you. <laughs> and that just continues afterwards, doesn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I know. It prepares you for pregnancy because nothing is ever linear ever again. Ever again. Oh, but it's a, it's a wildly fun roller coaster. <laughs> Now, one of the things that's obviously very unique to the pregnant and the postnatal population, well, perhaps not unique, actually, Kat, that's probably the wrong way to describe it. But it's one of the times that we really want to start focusing, and it may be the first time women are focused, and that's on bringing pelvic health into training. And I wonder if you could just outline for those women listening, why it's actually so important to have that pelvic health education alongside exercising pre and postnatally. Yeah, I mean, pelvic floor dysfunction is really common. <laughs> I think it's one in four ladies will be experiencing some form of pelvic floor dysfunction. Whether they know about it or not is another matter. And I think when you then introduce pregnancy into the mix, uh, it can exacerbate pelvic floor dysfunction. So I do think that it's really important for us as women trying to conceive or maybe going through those early pregnancy phases to start to bring their attention and their minds to their pelvic floor health or their, their um, pelvic health in general so that we can get on top of or potentially establish any pelvic floor dysfunctions early on, that you can get the help that you possibly need, that you could train in a way that supports your pelvic health through pregnancy so that you don't exacerbate any issues longer term, so that you can have a very good, hopefully a very comfortable and successful birth of your choice and that out the other side that you get those postpartum goals that you're really wanting and I think a lot of the time the reasons why I have ladies coming into the clinic for problems during pregnancy and postpartum is because of a pelvic floor dysfunction that hadn't necessarily been addressed in the first place mm -hmm. so I would say it is important to just start to dial in and Figure out if you have had any pelvic health problems in the past, maybe. And you're thinking, what? I mean, how would I even know what this is? <laughs> what it, what could be a pelvic floor dysfunction or a pelvic health issue? I mean, some ladies have had really, really painful, heavy periods their whole lives and normalized it. Mm. This could lead to really complicated pelvic floor issues later on in life. There are women that experience urgency and frequency or leaking with their bladder. This can be pelvic floor dysfunction. Again, it's something that's common, but it's not normal. It's something that could, could be 
addressed in your pregnancy early on with a women's health physio, for example. Other things like um, being really blocked up, constipated. Ladies will just deal with this for years and years and think, oh, well, it's just because I didn't drink enough water or whatever. But these sorts of things can really be exacerbated in pregnancy. So again, it's it's really important to sort of tie it all in and sort of realize that these things are really well addressed in pregnancy and it will help you through the whole journey into postpartum as well. I think going to see a women's health physio will teach you about your pelvic floor. Will it teach you that you're really overactive? Will it teach you that perhaps you're underactive? Because Another thing, and a bit of a bugbear here, Pip, is that I have a lot of ladies coming to me saying, oh, I've got to do my pelvic floor squeezes during pregnancy. I've got to do my Kegels. And it's never that simple. Not everyone needs to do Kegels. (laughs) Not all of us need to do Kegels. And everyone's journey will be quite different in terms of what their pelvic floor and their pelvis needs in general. So Instead of squeezing for dear life all through your pregnancy, I think it would be wise if you've got any concerns or questions about your pelvic health at all, go and see a women's health physio to ascertain what exactly you might need from your training and from your pelvic health in order to optimise that journey for you. Yeah, it's so, so important, isn't it? And I think the other thing is that even if you are trying to do your pelvic floor squeezes because you feel that's, you know, the right thing or you've been told to or, or whatever, most women aren't doing them correctly anyway. So that's another benefit of seeing a practitioner is if pelvic floor squeezes are gonna be, you know, a a useful part of your pelvic health journey, we wanna make sure we're doing them properly because let's be honest, they're really tedious and they're really boresome. So if you're gonna do them, you wanna at least make sure you're doing them effectively. Otherwise that is a big old waste of time. So I I completely echo seeing a practitioner for, you know, and it might just be once, it might just be a one-off hands-on appointment that gets you where you need to be. And then the same postnatally, that might be all you need, but it will make a massive, massive difference. So yeah, big shout out to to seeing someone in the women's health field. Absolutely. The other thing I wanted to delve into, um, into with you, Kat, is around the physical and psychological power of exercise in pregnancy and how this how you feel this supports women through birth and motherhood because I think we sometimes underestimate the high pressure endurance nature of childbirth but also of being a mum for the long term and I wonder how you find especially with you know your own journey and the clients you work with how exercise kind of plays into that This podcast is sponsored by Pregnacare from Vita Biotics. We all know how important it is to support our health when trying for a baby, during pregnancy and in the postpartum. Pregnacare vitamin and mineral supplements provide advanced nutritional support for every stage of pregnancy, before, during and after. They include vitamin D, and the exact levels of folic acid as recommended by the UK Department of Health. Pregnacare, expert nutritional care for pregnancy with you every step of the way. To find out more, visit www.pregnacare.com. Yeah, I mean, someone came in literally the other day and said, it was a, it was a dude and he was talking about his wife and he said, 
you know what? Now that I've watched blah, blah, I don't want to use her name, but now that I've seen her go through pregnancy, I feel like pregnancy itself brings a woman very close to near death. (laughs) (laughs) He says it's the most taxing physical thing on the human body that I can ever contemplate. He's not wrong, to be fair. (laughs) I I always gave him a round of applause because I feel like there are a lot of ladies that sort of just add it to their list of things to do that day. And I feel like, (laughs) yeah. And I think we just sort of, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. And now I'm just going to get about, go about my day like normal. And I think it's so physically taxing on the body. It's incredibly taxing on the body. And you become so depleted as well in, in so many different hormones as well during your pregnancy. I think anything that we can do to support our body in being stronger and more resilient, we should do it during pregnancy because it is incredibly depleting and taxing on the body. Mm. I am um, probably comes from my marathon running days cat which now I feel like a complete distant memory but I <laughs> I'll return. <laughs> we'll return one one day I'm going for ultras now when I'm older when I'm done with oh wow oh my goodness that's, that's the new plan we'll see how that works out <laughs> but um, but I think what I was thought of as as birth was my marathon and pregnancy was my kind of nine month training plan and I think what's what I hope we're starting to shift in women's minds is the fact that birth is, it's hard, right? It's a hard event. It's called labor for a reason. For most women, it really does test them to more than anything else ever will in life. And what's really unhelpful preparation for that is to be told to rest and sit down and, oh, but you're pregnant, oh, you know, and this perception that because you're pregnant, you're weak and vulnerable. And then we throw you into labor and we expect you to thrive. Whereas actually, if we spend that time during pregnancy building women up, making them feel strong and capable and confident in their bodies. And then we throw them into labor. That changes the game, right? Like in terms of how they can cope with that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's all about teaching women what they can do, not what they shouldn't be doing. And I think we've got to change the script on this one because I think as far as exercise is concerned, all we've done with women is strip things away for so so long. Even now when telling women that we can exercise in pregnancy, we're still removing stuff all the time. I think with Hatch, what we're trying to do is tell them all the things that they should be adding, <laughs> all yeah. the things that you could could be doing and adding into it because why is, why is it going to be so good in pregnancy? Well, serotonin, we know serotonin and endorphin release is going to help you from a psychological perspective, it's going to make you feel better. It's going to boost your energy levels from a from a mental health perspective and an energy perspective. Exercise is also going to get you out. It's going to get you social. It's going to keep you socially engaged, which is really, really important. We're social animals. And I think in terms of feeling integrated and vital and, and, and mentally supported, uh, I think it's really important to keep exercising within your community and your social space. And I think physically, obviously, we're going to keep aches and pains at bay and keep that pelvic floor nice and strong, your back, your core, and your endurance systems for this marathon. Like you say, it's 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 like training for a marathon. And the more strength and the more endurance that we have, the more capable that we're going to be. So to me, that's an absolute no-brainer, the, the physi- physiological power of exercise is that endurance and strength 
um, not just for pregnancy, but for the birth, like you say, you know, that that's your that's your real main event, I guess. Um, but for that postpartum period as well, you're going to need endurance. You're going to need stamina to be a new mum and potentially factor in some of your postpartum training as well as being sleep deprived. I'm afraid to say it. Yeah. Um, but also, I think for a quicker recovery, I think if you've got a strong body going in, you're going to have a stronger body going out. It is not um, a one way street. You don't go through pregnancy, postpartum, and then there's a closed door. Mm. Um, it's more of a sort of uh, it's more of a sort of undulating curve in a sense that that strength will pay dividends later on if you invest in it during your pregnancy, even though it seems wild to think that you would be doing heavy strength pieces in your pregnancy, it will will pay off postpartum. And I think a structured postpartum training will also help you as a mother because that structure and that adherence to programming and that integrity with yourself will rub off on your children. They're going to see you exercising. They're going to want to emulate the way that you behave towards looking after your body. It's going to teach them patience. It's going to teach you patience. Oh my gosh, you're going to need patience as a mother. So it <laughs> it's going to give you a whole host of things, psychologically and physically. So um, I think it's it's definitely my top recommendation. Of course, that's what I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, it certainly supports birth and into motherhood as well. And I think we often forget, don't we, in the postpartum that your baby is an ever-growing weight. <laughs> like all they're going to do is get heavier. And then more awkward because they learn they can actually control their bodies and they don't want to move in the way you're trying to move them anymore. So actually you just end up with this heavier, more awkward to lift and carry dumbbell as you move through motherhood. And I think the amount of mums that we see or, you know, women of, of this childbearing age that have got a bad back and a bad knee and a bad hip because we don't train for the massive demands of just mum life. Uh, of missing that pram and yeah I was dropping my son off at nursery this morning and he dropped something on the floor so I kind of had him and he's he's a massive two-year-old he's about 17 kilos now so I had him on one hip and then he dropped something so I had like his bag my bag and then I just like squatted down to pick something up and his nursery worker was like well that was impressive and like that's that's your part of everyday mum life isn't it but actually I would never move like that <laughs> in the gym but we need to train our bodies to move in these slightly odd ways as mums without getting injured because we can't take them away massively it's such a physical task for the first few years being a mum especially if you've got more than one mm. yeah. and I've got a rubbish pram as well it's it weighs a ton oh. so <laughs> and now you're in the rural countryside with it as well <laughs> So yeah, you need to train for motherhood. Absolutely. Train for motherhood. Now, leading on from that, I wonder if you see, because I really feel like I do, but whether you see a correlation between women that you support who have exercised in their pregnancy, you know, maintained or continued with a, an aspect of strength training and how their postnatal recovery journey looks. Now, obviously, there's this massive event between pregnancy and postpartum that plays a big role in what that journey might look like. And we're all so beautifully individual. But I wonder if you just see a little bit of a correlation between the two journeys. Absolutely. A hundred percent. There is a hundred percent correlation between those that are physically strong and fit in their pregnancies and how well they do after. Like you say, obviously there is a huge unknown 
um, you know, that birth event that we cannot control. But when we're talking about the more uncomplicated deliveries or uh, sort of circumstances that are less of the medical side of things, you know, mm. um, a typical postpartum mum who's gone through pregnancy and into postpartum motherhood, if she has trained and if she has exercised, then we see that she is stronger, more physically, she's more in touch with her pelvic floor, she's more confident of her needs going into birth and into postpartum as well. She's more body aware. She's more capable of setting goals and working towards them. So there's there's so many elements as part of getting into physical training. I, I think I think this is what the vibe is that's coming off our talk today, Pip is yes, physical, but I think stronger mentally as well. I think anyone that trains consistently through a period of time sets goals and works towards something becomes mentally stronger and I like as we've discussed motherhood demands that Mm. so those ladies that I see that correlation between those stronger mums physically and mentally they have a stronger foundation going into postpartum yeah sorry I love I love that psychological link that we've picked up on today because I guess just from a personal perspective I'm I'm in a place now where time is like the most precious thing we have. Like I have so little of it and my days are chaotic. I never know what's being thrown my way professionally. You know, if there's media things that crop up and they're like, can you respond in 25 minutes? I've got a two-year-old, I work in the NHS. So I never know what's coming through the doors of labor. Like it's constant chaos. So I've got used to working within a very chaotic place, but hip, but behind all of that does like to-do lists and planning and organization. And what I found is if I can get my little exercise slot in and my cup of coffee in the morning before the chaos descends, I can approach that day with calmness and ride all those waves and be absolutely fine with what does get done, doesn't get done. And I know by the time I go to bed, all of those to-do list box will be ticked. But if I miss that, completely sets me up for a completely different day and it really makes a massive difference and I'm talking about like have like a 45 minute slot in the morning where I exercise shower make a coffee and that 45 minutes either sets me up for a great day or a really stressful day yeah totally that sets the tone Mm. right I, I totally agree with that I think I think it's it's vitally important to to set the tone for the day. I mean, if you if you're planning to do this and you're planning to do your exercise, make sure that it is structured in a way that it's a non-negotiable. You know, as part of um, your pregnancy goals, in a sense that this is going to help me not just from a physical perspective, but it's going to help me get through the day, the week, the whole version of me, not just the physical version of me in the gym. Yeah, I love that. And it is, it's that consistency, isn't it? And I keep seeing things crop up on social media and to start with, it was annoying me, but now it kind of resonates. And it was, it's about motivation and dedication and the difference because we all go, oh, you're so motivated. And sometimes you're like, I'm absolutely not. Like I'm at zero motivation. I went for a run the other day in the pitch dark. I kind of forgot we live in a village that has no street lights. So I was using my phone torch. It was absolutely freezing, but I had a like five hour round trip in the car that day. So I was like, I'm not really motivated for this run. I'm motivated, I suppose, for the feeling afterwards. 
but I'm dedicated to the fact that I know it's going to make my day feel a lot easier and more manageable. And at that, that yeah. difference between motivation and dedication, I was like, mm, motivation comes and go. But when, when you've got that routine, that dedication, you know, we don't forget to brush our teeth, do we? Because it's yeah. part of our routine. It's embedding it in the same way. Yeah, this is what professional athletes rely on is systems. Mm. You know, um, they don't, if they relied on motivation, then a lot, there wouldn't be many <laughs> professional athletes. They have coaches that give them systems, routines, things that work. And it's everything is diarized into tiny time blocks during the day of routines, like teeth, like brushing your teeth. And it becomes a non-negotiable. You don't even have to think about it. If we had to motivate ourselves every time we wanted to do something like eat well or get good sleep hygiene or go to the gym or do your cold shower, whatever it is that you're trying to integrate into your life, your brain fatigue would just be through the roof and you'd be constantly beating yourself up when it didn't happen. I think it's important to take these choices away from front brain and just diarize them, put them in as a little time block, non-negotiable, and then your brain is free to do other things and it's it just becomes part of part of your habit and I think this is something that I talk about a lot with with ladies that are trying to create an exercise habit whether it's in pregnancy, postpartum or whenever. I think it's really important to make it as part of the the non-thinking day. I'm not motivated at all. And the moments when my diarized exercise slot has been removed and I have to motivate myself, it often doesn't happen. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think it's useful for people to hear that because when you, I think when you speak to someone that you see exercising, you kind of think, oh, they must just be really motivated all the time and that's how they do it. So to actually realize that no, we're, we're not and you can do it too. You just have to create the system that works for you is, is a powerful yeah. tool. Now, Kat, everyone that comes on the podcast, I ask for three top tips. And I know you could give us way more than three, and you already have, to be fair. But I wonder if you could leave us with your three top tips around the topic of um, birth and, well, pregnancy, birth, postpartum exercise. Yeah, I think, oh, this is going to be quite hard to eliminate. But if I was to do just three in terms of what your take homes would be for exercise in pregnancy, postpartum, number one would be keep exercising. So keep lifting, keep going to the gym, keep doing what it is that you love without fear. I highly recommend that you just find a program or go to the gym or whatever it might be and just diarize that exercise so that you get into a bit of a routine and just keep enjoying it. Um, the next one would be simply go and see a women's health physio when you're pregnant before you've got any concerns. That would be one of my biggest recommendations, really. I think there are some people that would say, why would I seek a healthcare professional if I've got no concerns at all? And I do appreciate that. I totally appreciate that. And not all of you would need to go. At the same time, I do always recommend gold standard would be to go and see a women's health physio at 20 weeks pregnant and again at 35 weeks pregnant this isn't just if you've got pelvic floor dysfunction this is to prepare you for birth so we get got a really good idea of what your pelvic floor is like even if it's not dysfunctional so that we can prepare you for the birth and delivery that you want so i do recommend all, all women going to see a women's health physio if they possibly can I know it's not accessible for everyone, um, but that would be the gold standard. 
if not, then I would highly recommend that you do as as much sort of studying and research and listening to podcasts just like this one. And we've got some really good educational stuff on Hatch Athletic. We've got a pregnancy mini course, which is all about exercise and the do's and don'ts around what, what you can and should and shouldn't be doing and what you can add into your pregnancy through all those trimesters. So we offer that sort of confidence boosting education piece. Um, we also do programming for pregnant women, but do make a plan <laughs> for that for that journey. Um, and my final tip, however, would be slightly different in a sense that we have been talking a lot about exercise and its importance and diarising and doing and getting it done because it's so important. But I do have to say, don't be beat yourself up if you can't get to the gym for a day potentially even a week or two during your pregnancy if you're experiencing sickness if you're just completely lethargic and you just cannot for one reason or another get to the gym please don't panic don't beat yourself up and don't get too disheartened about lost fitness because you can still build fitness postpartum really really well even if it's not been the perfect training journey for you in pregnancy, because not everyone is going to have a perfect training pregnancy journey. So um, don't beat yourself up if you can't make all of this happen perfectly. Okay. It's more important that you get that input and that mental health sense of well-being when you can um, and that it lifts you up. Oh, Kat, they are brilliant tips. So thank you for joining me and thank you for all the incredible work that you're doing to support women at this brilliant time in their lives you're very welcome it's been a pleasure thanks for having me before i head off i need to tell you something 68 percent of you who listen to my show have not hit the subscribe button so can you do me a favor and if you've ever enjoyed listening hit subscribe now it makes a huge difference helping me to keep bringing you episodes. And together, we can then reach and empower more women on this journey. If you are a pregnant or newly postpartum listener and are looking to have the healthiest, most positive and informed journey, then my exclusive Your Pregnancy and Your Postnatal Journey courses may be for you. I work with a select number of women in a bespoke way with unlimited access to me and my expert team for the most transformative level of support at this important time in your life. We only get one shot at getting this time right. So to get in touch and find out more, head to midwifepip.com. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.